Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. For those of you that don't know me, my name is John O'Hosford. And uh, yeah, woo. <laughs> I often get that. My woo. Um, my wife and I, uh, we are the next gen pastors here at C3 Church Hobart. And, um, you know, while we're, we're so passionate um, that there is a program like the Academy program that's building up a next generation of leaders for Christ. And uh, I really encourage anyone out there that is in that age bracket or that knows someone in that age bracket to um, take a leap of faith and actually apply or talk about applying. Um, you know, my backstory is I had a gap year um, after a failed attempt at university and and. At that stage, I didn't really know Christ. I knew of him, but I didn't know him uh, to be who he is in my life now. And, and I just wish that there was something like that at that period of time in my life to actually ground me, to center me, to clarify. Because, you know, I went across the sea to try and find myself, but really all I needed to do was see the cross. And that was the most powerful thing in my life is to actually take some time to invest in yourself and invest in your own walk with Christ. So really encourage you if you're in that age bracket or you know someone, get around it. Thank you so much, Ella, for an amazing initiative. Let's give Ella a round of applause. Now, as Alicia said to you earlier, our amazing pastors are uh, off doing amazing things in Sydney. Um, they're being, uh, you know, critiqued, pushed, pulled left, right and centre so that they can grow uh, in vision and ability. And um, we just, we want to thank Sean and Morella because I know that he will listen back to this message uh, because he's so diligent in that and, and, and he's, he's absolutely an amazing pastor and, and, and Morella, incredible people. And we just want to thank them for actually, you know, going before us and leading us. So why don't we give them a massive round of applause. Incredible people, incredible leadership, and incredible heart to see Souls One in Hobart. So um, we're in the middle, or we're not actually in the, at the end of our uh, series called The Jesus Agenda. Who here has enjoyed The Jesus Agenda? Anyone? Awesome. Like, I've been stretched, I've been challenged by what Jesus did on this earth. You know, some of the messages we've heard from... Uh, Pastor Greg French talking us to be front-footed in our faith, to, uh, you know, Pastor Sean talking about don't focus on the, don't miss the message by focusing on the miracle. And last week, don't miss the miracle you're in by looking for the next miracle. It was just incredibly powerful to actually think about the life of Jesus and what he actually did on this earth. And he's asked me today to actually share with you guys a bit about this concept of that, um, you know, Jesus was a miracle maker. He, he did some incredible things on earth and, and he taught and he did so many amazing things. But, you know, he was actually also a friend. And so Pastor Sean came to me, this is probably a couple of months ago, and he goes, Jono, I want you to share on what did Jesus do? He was a friend. And you know what? The only thing that I could think of was that Hillsong song, Jesus, you are my best friend, you will always be, and nothing can ever change that. That's just where my head went, and I was like, oh, I can't get back from there. So, <laughs> uh, that was as good as it gets. I, 
I used to do, like, as long as there's doo-doos and wah-wahs, I can do them, and, like the bass notes, but no actual words. So, so yeah, so Sean's uh, charged me with this mission of, of bringing to you the concept of Jesus as a friend. What did he do on earth to show us that he was our friend and, and how to be a friend to others? And, uh, you know, it's a strange concept to me when I was growing up. Um, when I first kind of heard that song, that Jesus is my best friend song, I was kind of thinking, uh, how, does Jesus, how is Jesus a friend? Like at that stage of my life, I was, you know, an Anglican boy growing up, kind of knew Jesus as someone who lived in the past, but not someone who could be my friend right now. And because uh, I kind of thought a friend was someone you kicked the footy with, someone you played the PlayStation with, you know, someone have a bit of a laugh, someone who'd memorise Monty Python quotes uh, with you. Um, yeah, I was a bit of a nerd growing up, but that's okay. Look, my wife has openly said she's glad that she met me a couple of years after she did. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, she hadn't met me a couple of years before she did, sorry. That makes sense. Because otherwise she said she probably wouldn't have liked me. <laughs> Little does she know, so, so she's pregnant with our first child right now, and I'm looking forward... I'm looking forward to all the dad jokes coming out. So I've got one, I've got one for you, right? So what do, what do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? Oh, don't worry about it. The answer's irrelevant. I'll let that sink in. All right, coming back to, coming back to the actual message. Coming back to the actual message. You know, if we actually do think about Jesus as our friend, all throughout the Bible, his ministry was essentially to connect us, to reconnect us with God. And it says in John 4:15, it says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So today, what I want to do is, is have a look at a story in the Bible which has so many other different contexts and I've heard so many other messages being preached from that but I actually think that it, it gives us a bit of a formula for how Jesus approached friendship and how we should approach friendship in our day-to-day lives. Um, so I know we've been booking, basing ourselves in the book of Mark for this series but you know you wouldn't be a youth slash young adults pastor and not go off script so I'm going to take it to John. Come with me, John chapter 4 Verse 1 to 26 is where we're going to base ourselves. If you're taking notes and you absolutely just can't start writing until you have a title, um, let me give you this for free. The friendship formula. Let's call this the friendship formula. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can be gathered here today to learn about what you did on this earth so that we may take that into our lives, be better people, be better friends and be better followers of you. We thank you that you gave us the perfect example, the absolute mentor to look up to, to aspire to, and to follow. In your name we give thanks. Amen. Amen. So, the first point that I want to outlay to you in terms of this friendship formula and how Jesus made friends on earth. The first point is what did Jesus do he went out of his way. He went out of his way. You know, if I think about some friends in my life and I think about what the most powerful things they do for me, I come back to this point of actually doing things that go out of their way. 
you know, changing plans. I was very sick a few years ago, and um, my wife and I had to go to Victoria and spend a month in Victoria uh, for surgery, and we, we didn't really know what that was going to look like after that, but it was a very scary time, it was a very, you know, unsure time for us. And we were leaving friends and family, we are like, we don't really like Melbourne, if I can't go to the football in Melbourne, I don't really want to be in Melbourne. Um, and so we went over and, you know, I think the greatest thing that we saw in that time was our friends, Bran and Olivia, were actually about to go on a holiday. And they were going to the Gold Coast and they got on the phone when they learned that we were going to be in Melbourne. And they said, you know, we're changing our plans. We're still going to go on our holiday, but we're going to actually extend it so we can come and be with you guys in Melbourne. And we're like, you, you don't need to do that. It's like going to cost you a lot of money and time and, you know, we'll probably be okay. But that was a non-negotiable for them. That was something that they were like, we're going to change our plans. We're going to go out of our way to actually support you because we're your friends. We know that, you know, you're going to be lonely. You're going to need some people to be able to talk to, who just talk smack about things and life and, and, and how you're all feeling. And, and I really think that, you know, a good friend is someone that will do this and that will go out of their way. They'll change their plans to be actually be with you. And, and, and to hear you, to listen to you. So, let's go to our scripture. John 4, verse 1. It says this, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back home once more, or went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Actually, if you understood the culture at the time, you'd know that that last bit of that scripture was not factually correct. He didn't have to go through Samaria. So you've got Judea, which is down here, and then you've got Samaria, which is kind of like in the middle of a sandwich between Galilee and Judea. So it would make sense, logically, that the shortest distance to get from Judea to Galilee would be straight up the guts. But what you need to realise is that the tension in that time between the Samaritans and the Jews was, it was kind of like a relationship between hot wax and leg hair, right? <laughs> that you know it's going to end in tears, there's going to be a lot of pain involved when the two come in contact, and if you absolutely have to do it, just get it over as quickly as possible. And this is, oh my, my word, I tell you what, rip it off, just go through as soon as possible. And so, you know, the, the Jews would often, if they're travelling from Galilee to Judea for a Passover meal or something like that, they would travel through Samaria, but they would just head down, don't make eye contact, just pass straight through as quickly as possible. Kind of like when you're going through the mall and you're just trying to avoid those people that are trying to sell you things. Have you ever done that? You're like, you know if you make eye contact, they're going to look into your soul and they're going to they're gonna get you and you're going to spend the next half an hour telling them, you know, why you are a generous person and you know, I'm really sorry, but uh, yeah, just I don't want to have that conversation. So head down straight through. That was kind of the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. Now, if you took it to the next level, the Pharisees were so precious about avoiding the Samaritans that they would actually go east, across the Jordan, up and then back into Galilee. So they would go out of their way to actively avoid going through Samaria. So, in fact, when it said that he had to go through Samaria, he had other options. In fact, you kind of go, well, maybe he was in a hurry. 
Okay, yeah, it would make sense for him to go through Samaria if he was in a hurry. But why would he then stop at a well and talk to a woman and stay there for two days? If he was in a hurry, why would he do that? The reason here is he had a, a date with a woman at a well. He had to go out of his way in order to actually reach out to this woman to share the gospel. Now, you know what? This is one example of many in the Bible where Jesus was on his way somewhere or to do something and changed his plans just to be impactful to one person. And he actually modelled how to be a friend by going out of his way for other people. As I said, he, didn't, he could have gone a different way or if he had to go through Samaria, he could have done it a lot quickly, quicker. But he chose to because of that one woman and that one conversation he just needed to have. So the second point that I want to actually articulate in this passage is the next thing that Jesus did to model friendship to us. So this is the second point. What did Jesus do? He knew people. A friend of mine was telling me this story the other day and I'm not going to tell you their name because you may know them um, and this is kind of typical him but he was saying that he was at a friend's uh, kind of, it was, it was a dinner, let's call it a dinner and he was there with some people he knew, some people he didn't know and he would, um, he's kind of got talking to this lady who he hadn't met before and her partner was running late. And so he wasn't actually there. And, and through conversing with uh, this guy's partner, he kind of learnt enough about this guy so that when he rocked up, my friends charged up to him and gone, let's call him Mark. Hey, Mark, how you doing? And this guy's gone, I'm sorry, do, do I know you? And my friend's like, yeah, 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 we, we went hunting together, Remember? This guy's gone, actually, that sounds like something I might do. I do enjoy hunting and my name is Mark. Um, this guy obviously knows me. Uh, I don't know where from. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm struggling to pinpoint your name and when we went hunting together. And he goes, oh, I'm just joshing with you. I don't know you. My name's, you know. And, and <laughs> it's quite evil, I think, but, you know, uh, uh, pure genius in my mind. And... and I think what it actually kind of conveys, the point that I'm trying to converse, converse here is that, you know, there is knowledge in friendship. You can't really be a friend with something if they don't know you. And, and you know, this guy obviously had this moment where he's, oh, this is factually accurate information. Like, maybe I do know and I've just forgotten who you are. In the scripture that we look at, I want to jump forward to uh, verse 16 because Jesus tells the woman at the well, he says, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Imagine her shock that this guy, a Jew, and she's a Samaritan, they shouldn't even be talking, and yet he knows, in her words, everything that I have done. Imagine her shock. She was just there to get some water at a well, and this guy comes up, like my friend. Hey, you remember me? I know you. Don't you know me? This incredible point 
of this, it, it, it seems a bit weird in the context that Jesus would say this. Unless for me, he's trying to actually build up to the next thing that he's about to share with her. So he's trying, in my, in my mind, he's trying to establish that he knows her and that there is a relationship here which can be trusted and that there's friendship involved, that he cares about her. Because what he's about to say and speak into her life, she can choose to either ignore it or allow it to be spoken into her life and take it as fact. So this is the third thing that I, I feel like Jesus does in this friendship formula. So the first one is he goes out of his way and the second one is that he knew the person he was speaking with. And the third thing that he does in this space is that he spoke truth in love. So it says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not, uh, do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the, the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So you see, from this scripture, we learn that this woman had heard about the Messiah. She had heard that there was this guy that was going to come, that was going to set everything right, and it was going to, you know, essentially bridge that divide between the Samaritans and the Jews, and everyone was going to be able to worship in spirit and truth. She'd heard that. But she didn't actually know the Messiah when he was staring her right in the face. She had heard about him, but didn't actually know that this was he staring her in the face. So the third point here that I believe Jesus actually articulates that is part of the friendship model is to actually speak love in truth. And how he does this is he goes... You know, you're looking at me. I'm standing right in front of you and you don't even realise that I am the truth. How many times as friends or in our own lives do we require other people to point out what's directly in front of us, staring us right in the face that we can't even see? Maybe it's bad traits. Maybe it's decisions we've made that, you know, we kind of think are for the good, but actually they're, they're killing us inside. And, you know, Jesus had to establish himself as a friend to this lady at the well to be able to speak truth into her life because she had a decision. She could have heard what he said and gone, it's not truth, you know. I've heard about the Messiah. So many people have claimed to be the Messiah. But when Jesus spoke truth into her life, there was an authority that came with that. There was an authority that came with that that made her realise and want to go back to her her friends and actually inquire of them and go, is this, is this the Messiah? Is this him? He's known everything I've ever done. Come see. I think this is a really poignant part of the story because as a friend, it's very easy for us to go out of our way. It's very easy for us to know our friends. 
But how prepared are we to actually help them see what's staring them right in the face? How prepared are we with our friends to actually throw aside the fear of maybe being rejected, throw aside the fear of potentially, you know, what if they get offended, and actually speaking truth in love and saying, you know what? I know you. We're friends. But this is something that is not healthy in your life. This is something you need to know and you need to be revealed this concept. So this, as a story, as I said, there's plenty of other context in the Bible as to what this story actually means and, and you know, all these different preachers that I think I've probably heard about it, a dozen different preachers that use this scripture. But for me, I think that Jesus actually models just in this one interaction how we can actually be great friends, that we go out of our way for our friends, that we know them intimately, and that we can actually speak truth in love into their lives. Now, if this kind of story is not enough to convince you of how much of a friend Jesus is to us, I've got one more point for you, and it's not what did Jesus do, it's what did Jesus do next. Can I get the band to come up, please? What did Jesus do next? So he went out of his way. He knew people. He spoke truth in love. But what he did next truly sets himself apart in the race for best friend of all time. Jesus laid down his life for us. Later on in John, he's speaking to his disciples and he says, In verse 12 to 13, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. Jesus took the hit. He went out of his way because he knew us, because he cared for us. He declared truth in love and then he laid down his life. Spoiler alert, alert, if you haven't heard the salvation story before, Jesus died as so eloquently was put. He died on a cross. He died on a cross not just to make himself look good. He died on a cross for that lady at the well. He died on a cross for his disciples. But he died on a cross so that 2,000 years later, everyone in this room could have a connection with God. A connection which, to be honest, we don't deserve. A connection that none of us have earned. If you've never heard the salvation story, I'm going to summarize it in a nutshell. We all stuff up. We're all not great friends at some point in our life. We all fall short of the perfect benchmark that Jesus and that God set for our life.
But Jesus knew that there was a way. Jesus knew that there was a purpose for everyone's life. Jesus knew that he had to be a friend to us and lay down his life to show us that God cared, that God wanted a relationship with us. In that moment of hanging on the cross, he provided the sacrifice that we all should have had to pay. In the Bible, it says that the price of sin is death. We should have all had to pay that, but Jesus hung on the cross in our place. And right now, in this moment, I just want you to all close your eyes and reflect on that statement that no greater love hath man than this, than he would lay down his life for a friend. Are you in need of a friend today? Are you in need of a friend that will go out of his way? Are you in need of a friend that knows you? Are you in need of a friend that is going to care for you? He's going to speak truth. He's going to set you free. I don't know your situation today and this morning. I don't know what's brought you here to be sitting on one of those red seats. But I do know that Jesus died so that he could be your ultimate friend. Be the kind of friend that would put people around you to lift you out of a dark situation. Be the kind of friend that would speak life through his teachings. Be the kind of friend that even though he walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, his teachings, his principles and his message of love have endured. If that's you this morning, if you need a friend today and you've not actually ever considered that Jesus wants to be your friend, I'm going to ask you to do a simple thing. I'm just going to get you with all eyes closed here just to raise your hand and say, Jesus, will you be my friend? Jesus, will you be the kind of person that would go out of your way for me. Jesus, would, would you know me? Jesus, would you speak truth into my life and set me free? If that's you, a really precious moment right now to be able to accept that into your life and just have Him batting for you. Reconnect with God through Him laying down His life. Thank you, I see that hand. (laughs) 
Thank you. I see that hand. Jesus, you are the ultimate friend. If you were someone who raised your hand just then or you didn't raise your hand but you felt an inner desire to. We've got some people that after the service are going to come and you know just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, love to have a conversation and pray a prayer with you to actually allow Jesus into your life to be that friend. Before we get there, I want to create some more space right now for God to actually speak truth into our life. The challenge that I have for you this morning from today's message is this. What do you need to lay down in your life for a friend? Jesus lay his life down. He died for us. What do you need to lay down in your life for a friend? Maybe it's this. Maybe maybe you need to lay down your busyness and go out of your way to connect with a friend. Maybe you need to lay your life down, your own desires down. Maybe you need to lay your own fears of rejection so that you can speak truth in love to someone. What do you need to do to be the friend that Jesus was? It always inspires me to think of the fact that, you know, Jesus says that when we die, we will go to heaven as believers in Christ. But what drives me further than that is to think, well, who am I going to be spending eternity with? Who of those people that Jesus has put in my circle of friends, in my circle of influence, who's going to be there spending eternity with me? It breaks my heart to think that there's people that might go out of their way for me. They might know me. They might be prepared to to speak truth and love to me, but they're actually not going to be spending eternity with me. So if that's you this morning, if you just need to get some stuff right with God, you need to lay some stuff down on the altar, some pride, some jealousy perhaps. Maybe it's forgiveness that you need to lay down on the altar. We're just going to create some space. We've got plenty of time here this morning to come and allow Jesus to be your friend. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.